And now, the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. Here are your hosts, Brandon Staten and Tyler Hansbro. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. This is Sleep Dog with the Big Hulk. What's up, everybody? It is the Big Hulk uh, coming at you, man. We got a great podcast. I'm super excited. We're back in the Dean Dome, Hubert Davis era officially to the start undefeated so far and uh, i can't wait to talk about it sleep oh yeah dude so i mean we got a lot to get into with the brown game uh we got a lot to get into with the game coming against Carter charleston we got a lot to get into with some of the implications that means for the season um you know some of the players are playing well uh you know i think there's going to be mixed reviews on that brown game but i think you'll find that we probably are going to agree on a lot mainly that it was a, a great performance even though on paper, maybe Brown wasn't the opponent that it looked like they were when we wound up playing them. But uh, we're going to get into that. We will uh, we'll touch on a little football before we get out of here. And uh, old Sleep Dog did something most people ain't, can't ever say they've done at Pinehurst. And if you've been following along on our Instagram, that could be one of two things. And I'm going to tell you about both of them. But first, man, I'm going to toss over here to the big hawk. We're going to jump right in because football, what did we do last time? I mean, do we, what did we, who do, oh, we lost to Pitt. Yeah. Oh, sleep dog. I saw a little bit of that one. Naturally, it was kind of late. So uh, about halftime, I was I was out. But uh, yeah, lost one to pit, dug ourselves a hole, couldn't climb out of it. Uh, we'll touch on that one here in a little bit. But what you think about uh, the Brown game? Uh, well, uh, you want to talk on the Loyola game first? Yeah. Just touch that. Let's do that. Yeah. All right, so sleep dog. Let's just get right to it. So we were back in the Smith Center officially. Uh, I know that exhibition game, people came in there. But this is the official, everything counts. Uh, it is recorded. You'll put it in the archives. This was officially Hubert Davis's start, and it was a special night, a monumental night for Carolina basketball from the aspect of you had – Coach Williams there, and you had Hubert Davis taking over, and it was a first game. And also, that was a big representation. But also, to me, it represented so much more. We're putting fans back into the stadium. It was almost like the Dean Dome, the heartbeat. You could see it start to click. Now, Loyola is not the game where we're going to sell out and it's going to just be electric. It means that we're on our way there. I was super excited to be part of it. And me and Sleep, we're sitting right there in the scores table. Hubert kept getting in our way, and we were a little pissed off about it. Uh, but it gave me the chills to be back in that place and to see the kids, you know, back in action with fans. And they deserve it. They've been working hard. Good things are coming. That's that's what it represented to me. Yeah, man, they look motivated. It was a fun, uh, fun game to attend. It had a lot of, you know, it had a lot of historical significance, man. You got a new coach, and we talked about this before. There haven't been very many Carolina basketball coaches, and Huber's taken over a big role at a big time in the program. Um, you know, Roy was there, and hot damn, Big Hawk calls me up, guys, and is like, hey, you want to go to the game? And I'm like, well, sure, I'll go to the game. Uh, we walk in the tunnel. Uh, and everybody's looking at us taking pictures because we realize we're walking through this sucker while the, the team's about to run out, and I just start waving at people, you know, the old sleep dog man who's starting to, you know, get a little following, and we walk up, sit, slap right at the scorer's table. Uh, yeah, Hubert, uh, very active 
around the sidelines. Uh, thought he was overcooking it a little bit. I was like, buddy, can you sit down here, man? Everything's going fine. Uh, I'm just kidding. Of course, man, it was really, really cool for me to see that sort of element of the game. The team looked great, I thought. Um, and and I'm, I'm sure people would will, will probably call us homers for calling out so many of the positives, but I just really hadn't seen many negatives yet, man. Like so many of the negatives I was seeing in, in, in last season and, and really before, you know, they, 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 they're of course making some mistakes, but it's like they're athletic, they're aggressive, uh, they're smart. They haven't made, had, had a lot of turnovers. You can say what you want about, um, you know, the level of competition, but given how we sort of played some of these games in recent, you know, memory, it's been refreshing. I'm 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 really coming away with a much higher uh higher hopes for this season than I have in the past. Definitely. And you know, I'll just I'll start right here. Right off the bat, uh what I noticed from Coach Davis is his attention to detail. What I mean by that is, you know, when someone else checked in for the team, you could see that he wanted to know that his team knew the matchups. That was one thing that stood out to me the communication within the team was much better. And that's, that is a great sign when guys are communicating, they're, they're all on the same page. Uh, that's a big step. They're buying into Hubert Davis, which is very good to see. Uh, also, the detail, boxing out, getting loose balls, running, all these things is to me is the foundation of Carolina basketball. Hubert, you can tell, has put extreme amount of importance in those. And you can see that that's what he's, you know, teaching these kids. And it's good to see that they they bought in. I love to see that. My first reaction to the game is I'll just get into my, my game notes from Loyola and what we had and what I saw. First of all, our chemistry was good uh, from Loyola. Uh, I really think that we had a, you know, turnovers have been an issue with this team. And I would say that, uh, you didn't see a lot of turnovers. Now, you, you look at this and you say, well, they played Loyola. But you look at our turnovers last year, they were unforced, casual, like we talked about, lackadaisical. I love that word, turnovers. That means that there was no pressure. That means it was a, a loose pass that bounced off of somebody, mm-hmm. a bad pass, and just went out of bounds, uh, careless plays. You didn't see that. And that's the attention to detail that uh, Coach Davis is bringing. And it looks like the guys are really sharpened up. The other thing I noticed with uh, Coach Davis is the rotations. Uh, That was noticeable. The rotations are much tighter, eight or nine players. You saw the starters, and you saw Kerwin come off the bench. I'm not sure. Yeah, Brady came off the bench, Brady Manick. He had a big game, and the rotations are extremely tight. So it looks like he's going with the tighter rotation and are going to play some of the – the starters and those core rotation players, heavy minutes this year. It was good to see us get a dub against anybody, but sleep. I will say, you know, we got it right here. Our player of the game was Brady. Mm -hmm. I thought Brady had a heck of a game, 20 points and five rebounds. Also some of those post moves that he had, those were high level and veteran moves. Mm -hmm. And like I said, the thing that Brady brings to this team is he's a four-year starter at Oklahoma. He brings that veteran leadership that this team needs. And also, that guy can get a bucket. Mm -hmm. And he can spread the floor. He can do a lot of different things. To me, him having a big game this early in the year means that the chemistry is there. Like, he went in and started clicking. And that is a huge deal. So I was excited to see him get off to a good start. 
Sleep, what'd you think here? Yeah, I thought he was great. And I thought what was most important, because Caleb had a great game yeah. in, in game one, right? And we were kind of sitting there thinking, like, who do you give it to? Because Caleb's got this monkey he's trying to get off his back from, from you know, the criticism he was getting last year. And, and I think the real difference, and he had an awesome game. He looked excellent, man. I thought he looked great. He looked poised. He looked in control, under control. Uh, also, and and but Manic, you're right. It was like that X factor. He got the ball and he was looking to shoot. He got the ball. He was looking to score. Um, and he did a lot of things also, you know, outside of scoring the ball, shot well from the free throw line. Like, you know, he is somebody this team's going to be able to turn to when they need a shot and count on him. And, and he's one of many people, I think, mm-hmm. on this team that's going to be able to do that. And the best part, I think the best takeaway I had was you mentioned the rotation and we never felt like it's not like we're super deep. I don't think yet, but I think we got seven guys that you can run out there and, you know, in a, in a, in a blind taste test, you can just, you know, you're going to do just fine. Yeah. I think they're, they're all, um, and that's something you, you know, you also haven't seen is, is getting good minutes when your sort of star guys are out, but like Mondo had, uh, you know, he had three fouls early in the first half and he sat for an extended period of that game. And again, you're playing Loyola. They're not, you know, the best team in the world, but they, but like most teams, when they come to Dean Dome, you got one dude that's just going off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it wasn't like we could notice that really Armando wasn't on the floor. Yeah. So, uh, and not in a bad way, in a good way. So, you know, it, it, that, that's going to matter when you get to quality opponents, man. You got to have somebody, um, you know, that can step up and fill the, fill up the void if somebody rolls their ankle or somebody's out a couple games or somebody's in foul trouble. Um, and, and that's what I took away from it too, was that, you know, guys, guys look like they're cohesive and can rely on each other and trust each other. Um, no matter who's on the court. Yeah. And so, you know, what you said, there's that, that front court with Brady, uh, Garcia and Armando, that is a set rotation. And in my opinion, that is a, that is a high-level rotation. Those guys are very good, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm very happy with that as a fan. Um, I'm, but I'm looking at the guard rotations. You know, that could get – you know, those rotations could, you know, change a little bit. You know, you got Kerwin, who is an explosive scorer at times, very reliable three-point shooter who could step in there and play heavy minutes. But then you have other people. You know, Leaky could get it going. Uh, but also Justin McCoy is the guy that we talked about mm-hmm. that could have a big year uh, coming from Virginia. You know, he's still trying to fit into the system, but I think once he gets comfortable and starts playing with confidence and stops thinking so much, I think we're going to start seeing him, you know, be uh, extremely good. But uh, there's one other thing that I want to introduce, and this is something new, and I'm really excited about this. Uh, me and Sleeper fully in on this. It is uh, – the game changer stat, and we thought about calling it the uh, Sleephawk stat, Sleephawk Worldwide stat, or just the um, you know the Hill stat. So you guys let us know if you're tuning in what you think of this stat. Now this stat is something that may not make the box score, but it you know a stat that could go unnoticed, but it could make the box score. You know, I sound like my girlfriend trying to describe our relationship. Uh, you know. It, 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 it may happen. It may not happen is what we're saying. Uh, it may happen to be in the box score. It may not happen to be in the box score. But here we go. And what this is, this is a stat that is a blue-collar stat. It's a play on that. But it's a stat that we feel like needs to be uh, appreciated and pointed out that had a huge impact on the game that could have changed the outcome or changed the momentum. And we're going to call it for now, we'll just call it the 
uh, Hill stat or the game changer. We'll call it the game changer slash Hill stat. That stat, we had three plays that we thought were amazing. One of them got called for a foul, but it set the tone. And that was Armando's block in the first half. Uh, anytime we have Armando challenging anything at the rim with his shot blocking ability, I love it. I don't care that it got called for a foul. It looked good. It got people off their feet. It got the crowd into it, and it was a highlight play. That's what I loved about it. And then our next play is we have Brady Mannix charge in the post where he locked down. Uh, he was into it. It was a one-on-one post move, and Brady beat him to the spot, just took it right in the chest, just like a blue-collar, hardcore worker. That's what he looks like, too. He doesn't look like he came from anywhere but the mountains or the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma, the way he's cut out, and uh, he couldn't fit the script better. And then we have uh, Justin McCoy's loose ball in the second half, right by the uh, half court where he tipped it back in bounds. Then our guy straight from Oklahoma in the middle of the mountains uh, knocks it down, Brady. Old Yeller. Three. So uh, those are those three stats that we love here at Sleephawk Worldwide, and we wanted to point them out to you guys. And we'll, con- we'll continue to do that. Uh, but uh, Yeah, we're going to run that up to our chief marketing officer and see what they have to do with the name. Uh, and maybe, you know, whether we call it stat or stats. Right. Or maybe we just pick a whole bunch of stats. The name notwithstanding, those are three very key plays. If you're watching a game, uh, you had to be watching closely. Right. The Baycott block, like you said, they got him on the touch. I mean, dude, he's going up. And I guess by the letter of the law, he's sizing this dude. I mean, his fingertips touch this guy. And then mm-hmm. I don't know who he was because he played for the – Loyola Lion Cubs or whatever, and he just blocks <laughs> this ball into the freaking mezzanine, right? And everybody, it was electric, right? So it was yeah. regardless of whether it was a foul or not. It's like one of those like DeAndre Jordan dunks, right? Where he, he misses it. That some bitch goes back to the other basket. And um, you know, and then and, and Brady's charge was definitely another sort of like uh gritty play and McCoy is, you know, be, all these things have to do with these guys being aggressive and taking control of the game. And you're right. Yeah. Like you're not really going to see these. It's not going to be uh, you know 20 points or or or, or 50, 60 percent from three or anything like that. These are things that you know are, are real turning points in the game. So uh, you know, for those of you guys listening, pay attention to those things and shoot them our way, and uh, we'll consider them. You know, as we move forward, as uh, well as a name. So <laughs> and also, we have a blue collar player. That is some guy that just puts in the work. Dewey Ferris uh, came in with about three minutes left in the game. Love it. And we thought he was going to get arrested for assault and battery by the time the game <laughs> was ended. This guy loaded up on three fouls in three minutes. He earned them. They were, they were hard fouls. And me and Sleep saw him after the game. We got the hell out of his way because we didn't want to get the shit beat out of us. Damn uh, right. But he was, uh, he was electric and uh, – I was excited for him. It's always good to see yeah. those guys. Got in the uh, score column. He did show up in the box. Get score. in there and get your name on the box sheet. We don't. He's just care. going for cumulative numbers. He's like, yeah. I don't care where they come from. Just, just add them up. And one easiest way to get them is fouling people. And then, you know, this, this is why this matters, man. Like here we are. I know you know Dewey. He's one of your uh, Dewey Burks, one of your close friends. And uh, and and I don't. I've never met Dewey, but you know. This is 10, 12 years later, you know, and we still remember his role oh, yeah. as the dude that came in and just got everybody. I mean, he so what what Dewey Ferris could be is is the guy that signifies dominance on the team. 
You know what I mean? Like when this dude's coming in, it's because we just kicked y'all's ass and that now we're just playing with you. Yeah. So uh, and that, that role matters in college basketball due to a home yeah. to a home fan base. So, you know, we, we joke about it. And I think this this dude's great. Like it would be nothing more to me is if all this dude did was like rack fouls in the last minute. Like how many fouls can this dude get? in a season and I'm putting the over under at a hundred. And if he hits it, I'll do something crazy. Right. Um, there you go. Yeah. There you go. I, yeah. Ferris, if you're out there, buddy, you hundred, hundred, hundred fouls. That might be a lot of fouls. Mm-hmm. Uh, might not be a fair number, but a hundred fouls, dude, you're he, definitely he's on, working on it, man. He's going to give it his damnedest. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 30 games, you got 30, you got 34 games. If we're in the, um, all right, we'll call it 50. We'll call it for you get a 50 fouls because right. let's face it, some games ain't gonna get in. All right, and, and also, hey, one other thing, guys, is we're gonna put our pregame predictions before every game on Instagram and we'll put the spread up, uh, and we'll put the over and under up. We'll see what happens if we ever get a score right. We might do something crazy, and um, might retire. I'll just say this we haven't covered yet, and I've always said. And the, the, the kids don't need to pay attention to this, but good teams win, great teams cover. I'm, I'm not, I don't bet on these games, but it's always interesting to see where it lines up. Yeah, we, uh, we definitely bounced in again, you know, bounce to bounce over into to the Brown game, right? I think is a, a natural place to go next because another game you're supposed to cover that you don't, and you don't even come close to it. And on our, our normal, you know, on paper, I remember, so I'm in Pinehurst. We're going to get to that later. They didn't have ACC Network in Pinehurst, North Carolina. You're like literally watching Forensic Files instead of Tar Heels basketball game an hour from where the hell they play. I don't know. I don't get it, but I'm following along on my phone. I'm trying to figure out what the hell are we doing wrong? Why is Brown up three at half? Why is Brown not, you know, falling off at any point in time? And the fact of the matter is, dude, they played the best game in the history of the university or, or the college or, or community college or whatever the hell it is. Um, I mean, you guys just couldn't miss. I'm following along in a box score, and, you know, I don't think, you know, of course I didn't see a lot of it, but it's not an indictment on us. I mean, we scored 94 points for the first time since you tell me when. Um, and I think we just caught a team that, you know, was probably a pretty smart and capable uh, group of players on them. They were hot as hot as tombstone pizza when on that first bite right at the tip on the roof of your mouth. Oh, yeah. That's pretty damn they hot. Were, uh... I never had that. They were lava hot, and uh, what well, you're right, Sleep. This 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 was a monumental game for me. The reason what it does is it signifies adversity. We were tested. Uh, things didn't go our way. Late in the game, they banked in a three, a desperation held Mary went in. Uh, felt like we played good defense. Then they hit this this prayer of a floater around the free throw line. And things weren't going our way. But what we did see is we saw the kids put their heads down and grind. And, you know, they look like – hell, they all look like they're playing for the Sleephawk Worldwide Carolina Collar stat. And I loved it. I loved it. Guys were diving on the floor. They were making plays. RJ stepped up. He was – hell, he was he was player of the game. He had a career high, 26 points and six assists. I've said it. For this team to reach its potential, RJ has to be good. And it's going to take pressure off Armando. It's going to take pressure off of Caleb. You know, it, it was good to see that. And it's good to see that a player that we thought could be an explosive scorer uh, this early in the season kind of get his confidence and step into his own. And like I said, I don't think we saw R.J. Uh, Davis last year. I, I don't think we saw him reach even close to his potential because I think he can be a big-time player. 
And uh, I'm looking forward to watching him grow and have many other moments like he did tonight or, you know, the other night. But he was our player of the game. Our Sleephawk Worldwide stat, blue-collar stat, uh, for me, was the play late in the game. You know, we were kind of down, kind of working on momentum. It was in the second half where the ball started on one wing, and we made two passes all the way to the opposite side, found a wide-open R.J. Davis, and bada-boom, bada-bing, he drained it for a three. And it was the turning point for me. I was off my seat yelling, Hallelujah, because that would never happen last year. That, would, that wouldn't be in the thought process, and that was a beautiful ball movement. Man, and we had a – you know, it seemed like we had another low turnover game, and mm-hmm. I'll be damned if Brown didn't have their best game of their basketball history uh, right there in the Smith Center. It's okay. It happened. You know, you guys got lucky, but we sustained that and we fought through it. And uh, we got the dub. Mission accomplished. That's what you want to do with these games. You want to win them. And uh, there's no such thing as a perfect game. I don't care how you chop it up. Uh, they played a little closer than people thought, but we got the dub. Yeah. That's my opinion. Yeah, and you you called it out in the notes. I mean, you know, RJ having 26 is mad. You, you start getting up near 30 in college basketball game, and you're, you're having a – uh, potentially career night, which obviously RJ did, and obviously we hope to see from him again. But the six assists are telling, right? Like, I mean, yeah. if six assists in a college basketball game, in my opinion, and probably even more impressive than, uh, you know, a 20-point game. So, you know, seeing him distribute the ball, and to your point, again, I was in a damn uh, – uh, I was back there in the 1860s, horse and carriage around uh, – uh, what do they call it? Pleasantville over there in Pinehurst. Couldn't watch the game. But the ball movement you described – is the exact opposite of what we did last year, where you sit around and wait for a player to make a play, mm-hmm. right? So, so when a game gets into a crucial situation, how many times do we see it where everybody sits back and they're like, all right, well, this dude's going to, you know, you know, how many times we see him play that like that with Cole Anthony and just say, all right, well, let's hope he makes it because we don't know what the hell to do. Yeah. Uh, and anytime you're getting, you're, you're getting, you know, 10 or more assists over turnovers, you know, you're playing well. That's the thing. It's like seven turnovers, 16 assists. That means you're playing good, mm-hmm. right? And and the fact that these dudes stay in the game, hats off to Brown, yeah. right? Uh, I mean, they played a game that, you know, had they lost that, everybody, ha, 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 you know, Carolina sucks, losing yeah. Brown after all this hype, 19, blah, blah, blah. I would argue if if we had lost that game, I would sit here and argue that we should have fallen out of the top 25. Yeah. Uh, of course, we would have, right? But, like, that game – um, Tells me one thing: you better watch out for those guys in March. But you know, I mean, we we everything so far to me. I think I, I always say this: no one is ever going to be more critical of your team than a fan. So you know, we're critical of football. Yeah. We've been critical of basketball and a lot of things because you know we care. This is we're, we're invested in this, right? And of course, me especially, I think. Well, hell, I know what's going on. I can fix it, uh, which couldn't be farther from the truth. But right now, man, there ain't anything to complain about if you're a Carolina basketball fan. No, uh, you know, I'm happy where we're at. And I think Coach Davis is doing a great job. Uh, I really do. I know we joke a lot on here, but you can see a lot of improvement from the team, not only from, you know, just the scoring and making the right play, but also a lot of these guys' attitudes are right there. And mm-hmm. that's something that, you know, I was concerned about uh, last year. Some of these guys didn't look like they were having fun and enjoying the game. Right. This year – Guys are guys are committed. They're grinding. They're working, and it's good to see. And I hope they keep that momentum. Absolutely, uh, because you know, like any season, you're going to be tested, and you're going to have a lot of adversity. And the good teams handle it, and they improve, and they work through that, and then they're out of it. 
that's where teams really lose lose themselves. You know, we're not naive here at SHWW to realize it's early in the year. Uh, every team has a good attitude. Duke has a good attitude right here, right now. And uh, I'm looking forward to that game in Cameron. But that's that's down the road. I know they got that Plinko kid, and he's pretty good. I can't. <laughs> Palaco. I'm not being offensive, guys. I can't even say my name. I know I've got no, a hell of a player. But I can't yeah. wait to play Blanchero, that. I think. Yeah. I don't, Blanchero, uh, yeah. Uh, um, I, I forgot the first name, but Plinko is, is – uh, not it, but nonetheless, yeah. I, I understand where it's coming from because I don't know. It's like, oh uh, man, I was about to, I'm about to butcher it too, and I'm supposed to be the smart one here. Uh, College <laughs> of Charleston, though, let's let's face it. Uh, hey, let's say one of the last things. So, yeah, we, yeah, we did not cover this game, guys. We were favored by 23 and a half, was mm. the line. Oh, I didn't even touch it, mm. uh, but that's 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 just uh. That over-under was good about halftime, though. You know, oh, you, yeah. uh -huh. ain't nothing better than when you I'm – I'm not much of a sports money line better. Like, I'm more like, hey, let me pick a fantasy team and 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 just absolutely set money on fire and or flush down the toilet and or both. Um, but, there, yeah, every now and then, you know, you bet on a game if you're in Vegas. And there is nothing better than when like, you got an over-under is 146 and a half. And at halftime, that game was 50-47. And you're just, you're just sitting back like, bro – I got it. It's money in the bag. It's like a win-win because you get to, like, enjoy a game and already know you got money in your pocket. Uh, to contrary, you start picking that spread and you're hoping the heels just blow the doors off and you're about 10 minutes to go. You're just praying for shit that ain't uh, – you're praying for rain in the desert at that point, buddy, because it ain't coming. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm ready to move on to uh, College of Charleston. Game finish. We don't have – do you know their mascot? I would venture to guess that it is something weird. Probably, it's a, a, probably a rooster. It's the Cougars. Ah, wow. Okay. Well, that makes sense for a number of reasons. A lot of Cougars yeah, well, in Charleston, and we ain't talking about the jungle, I would imagine. No, and for the notes, I don't know what's going on with this team. Their best player, I think, is from Burlington, North Carolina, uh -huh. um, which is always good when you have – you know, you're about to play a team who probably has a kid and their dream was to play at North Carolina. They're their best player on their team. He's probably fired up for this one. Uh, but I don't know a thing about this team. We'll put our predictions up on Insta and uh, we'll give you a good guess. We'll have the spread up on that thing, too. We do have something of significance about College of Charleston. It is a top 20 party school in the nation, according to the Princeton Review. Uh, it's a great campus. It has great nightlife, beautiful women. For the notes, I said, love yourself and stay focused. And I don't know why I said that, uh, but <laughs> a lot of temptations uh, in Charleston, because hey, I've experienced those temptations, and they're, yeah. they meet the standard. And it a lot is of a golf good, down there. A lot of, there's great golf courses. Um, yeah. What is that oh. golf course? Uh, Speaking of golf, let's just move on to golf. So you tell us, tell us about your golf experience. You hit up old punters. All right. So this is a, this is a Carolina related trip too. I mean, I got to, for those of you that like don't know old sleep dog, it took me eight years to get through undergrad and then they accepted me into grad school somehow, some way. Uh, so a couple of years back, went to Keenan Flagler, got a business degree and, um, annual trip these days with some of the folks, some of the fellows from my group, we all go down to Pinehurst and we play courses that we just 
don't belong on, right? So we go down there and everybody starts telling lies a couple weeks before about what the damn handicaps are. And then the rubber meets the road, buddy. There's one thing sleep dog ain't going to do in a golf course. And that's lie because who are you trying to fool, buddy? As soon as the sticks get in your hand, it's going to, you know, those are the, 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 the great equalizer is damn golf club in your hands. And so we play number eight on Thursday, number four on Friday and number two, on Saturday. Okay, buddy, Sleep Dogs played about six rounds all year, and I might have played six rounds a week all year, and I still don't belong in these courses. I'm left-handed. My my handicap is golf. Uh, I put it, it was a 20, and everybody was complaining that I was sandbagging. I was like, buddy, 40 is probably closer to it, but I'm trying to be, like, here generous because everybody wants to bet on shit, right? And that's the other thing. That's the other tell of a bad golfer is they want to bet on shit, you know? And then if they want to bet on it, a bad golfer, guess what they're going to do? They're going to cheat. But anyway, I, I, notwithstanding, I digress. We go out there at number eight, and, buddy, I must have hit. I, if I cleared a 130, then – and I was doing something. I, that is number eight is the hardest course I've ever played in my life. I've never. It was. It, eight is, so, is eight the one that's not on the property? That's correct. Yeah, not I on played. the property. And we drove straight there from. Uh, oh well, let's back up. So on Wednesday night, old Big Hawk doesn't even know about this. So everybody meets at the business school campus. If those that are flying in, and and it's in Chapel Hill, and I'm I'm leaving. So this is this is like eleven o'clock Wednesday night. We're driving up first thing in the morning, straight to number eight to play golf. I pull out of the place. I'm driving down back to Raleigh where I live. I look off to the right. There's some people that have like pulled over on the side of the road. It's like 11 o'clock at night. It's dark outside. It looks like they're in some sort of distress. Nothing serious. They're just kind of like looking around the car. And I'm trying to figure out. I can tell that something has just happened. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of trying to figure out, man, I need to pull over. You know, this is Chapel Hill. These are kids. Like, you know, I need to make sure these kids are all right. And right about the time I'm quizzically trying to figure out what's going on, I look in front of me and I figured it out. There's a deer laying in the road that they just hit and Sleep Dog plows it, right? So, I mean, just destroy the front end of my car. Go pull into the gas station, check it out, realize that, uh, you know, everything's still intact, car's still driving. I go check on them. They're cool, a little shaken up, cops on the way and everything. So we're good. Sleep Dog goes home. No big deal, right? Like, okay, bummer. That's what you pay insurance for. Wake up in the morning, hop in the car, head down to Pinehurst, and my my, my uh, tire is losing air. So I, so I have to stop two times on the way to Pinehurst, which is, which is a 70-minute drive, fill my tire back up with air so that I could just get there. And I drive it to old Mayberry Chevrolet or whatever it is, drop that it off. That sounds like some place in near Pine, old Mayberry. Well, it's Clark Cadillac, but that whole place is Mayberry to me. But uh, so I go down there and I'm like, guys, can you please fix my car? They all look at me like, yeah, like the sloth on uh, Zootopia. They're just like thumbing through some pages and stuff. I'm like, bro, I got to be at a golf course in 20 minutes. So I, I was like, do you guys have Ubers here? He's like, we might. So I try to get an Uber and I wait 10 minutes and she cancels. I mean, she's 40 minutes away or something. So I call this this taxi cab. First time I've been in a taxi cab since in, two decades. So the dude drops me off, boom, right at number eight. I'm already just nerve shot, right? Go out there and hit 4,000. Come back the next day, hands all sore, got blisters, back hurts, no better. You know, I go out to number four is, is equally disastrous, right? Uh, that one is on property. A lot of people say that that course is really hard. Hell, I don't, honestly, I don't even remember. You asked me what hole is what on eight, four, I have no idea. But I told you at the jump that there were two things that Sleep Dog was there for that few people have said they could do. Uh, on about 13, on number four, on Friday, guy in my group 
takes out a six iron and hits an absolute piss missile that never gets higher than head high off the ground. And it drills our, our caddy right in the chest. Old Kyle, this kid's like 20 years old, man. He's trying to make ends meet caddying in Pinehurst and he's taking on enemy fire from uh, a bunch of hacks that literally don't belong anywhere within 50 miles of Pinehurst. This poor kid, dude, within it's the picture, I put it on sleep. I couldn't believe that more people didn't react to it. I mean, the kid's got his, uh, I sent it to Barstool. I sent it to foreplay. Nobody, hey, listen, this is a legendary picture. This kid is a legend. And somewhere, if he's listening, man, I mean, I'll never forget this as long as I live. This kid took a golf ball, a 400 mile per hour shank to the chest and never missed a beat. Dude kept carrying the bag with that hand. At that point, I was ready to carry his bag for him and let him use my clubs to play the rest of the round. Only problem is I'm left-handed. Um, so shout out to Kyle. Uh, so I turned another 120 scorecard, and I'm just ready to leave. I'm so sick of damn golf at this point. And here we got number two. And then we start off the number two. You go up there, the dude says, you're about to walk the same course that the best golfers in the world walk. And I'm like, exactly. What the fuck am I doing here, right? So, uh, dude. Caddy first- says that. The caddy says that. I mean, he gives you this whole spiel about, you know, we're all in this group together. His name's Jim. He's kind of local legendary, I guess, whatever. Not didn't look, didn't strike me as a golfer, just strike me as a guy that really hit the jackpot with that job. I told you he's a local legend. No, 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 no. Everybody else did. All the caddies did. Uh, so anyway, he tells us all this stuff, and I'm like, bro, like this is exactly right. Like Tiger Woods plays this shit. I don't need to play it, right? I mean, I, I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm happy to be here, but this ain't gonna go well. Till I just absolutely nuked one dead down the middle, right off the first tee. I mean, you got nerves running, man. You're playing Pinehurst number two for the first time in front of your boys, in front of all these people standing there, man. Like, you know, that was that was that was quite a feat in itself. So I'm about 150 out. So you know I hit a good drive. That's all I got into the green. And then took a seven iron out and just dropped it. I swear to God, six feet. It's the easiest putt I had all day. Six feet tight, right on the pin. I got a six footer for birdie right out of the gate at Pinehurst number two. And I'm standing over this putt and I'm like, dude, this might be the only chance at birdie I'll ever have my entire life on this course. And I'm like, my dude, I don't ever get nervous really playing golf. Cause it's just like, I suck and there's no real reason to, but you know, in that moment that this is something that you might not get again. So what do I do? I push it left, dude. And I'm, I'm like about to cry. Cause I, I this is such an easy putt it is the easiest putt on the golf course. Uh, miss it. Then I card an eight. Then I caught a nine. Then I caught absolute fire, dude. Number four is a par five, cuts up to the left. I hit a drive boomstick out into the middle. Boomstick three wood. I got an eagle putt. Yeah. I missed the eagle putt. Tap in for par, uh, birdie. Then I think the par three is next. You know, back to earth with a six. Then I birdie the next two. Dude, I had three birdies. Damn near had a fourth birdie. I had three birdies on the front nine, Pinehurst number two, and adjusted for a handicap. Oh, sleep dog. I pulled through for my team. We had, you know, we had two six man teams. And guess whose team took home the money? The man who had three birdies on the front nine, Pinehurst number two. Should have had four. Don't ask about the back nine. We ain't going there. Um, you know, but still didn't break 100. That's the, that's the thing. So that no amazed. one died. You didn't like, the the guy that got drilled by this piss scud missile um, with the six iron, he lived. When we left, he was still breathing. 
Um, and that okay. was Saturday. Yeah. He came Nobody back. He money. came back and had to caddy for us again the next day. <laughs> he said he walked up in the morning. It's eight. It was like seven thirty in the morning. He said, "Purple shoulder reporting for duty." <laughs> it was great, man. The kid was the kid was uh, the kid was an icon, man. I I, I really um, I hope I know the kid that hit him tipped him immediately and then tipped him again after the round. I hope he tipped him well. You, um, the story the, we had two really young caddies. They were both like twenty. Um, which, you know, you could argue, look, I mean, he could have been 20. He could have been Tiger Woods. It wasn't going to make a difference on my round, right? Uh, they did some things well, did some things poorly. It was a really cool trip in all honesty. Um, it was fun. Kind of, it's almost like an honor to play number two. You know what I mean? Like you walk that course and, uh, they're doing the barstool tournament this week. So Riggs was there. Uh, didn't see him. Um, you know, didn't get to pitch this, the, you know, one of the hot up and coming podcasts to him, but I'm sure we'll get our shot someday. And um, yeah, there was a lot of bros there um, given the, the barstool tournament, but it was a blast, dude. Um, you didn't sniff a hundred all three days. Partners is a great place. I've actually played uh, eight, four, and two. I think eight or I think four is the toughest uh, course to me Yeah, uh, on the property. Uh, but what makes Pinehurst really special is I really like the cradle. I think I think the part yeah. three is really fun. If you guys, any of these listeners go to Pinehurst, the part three is really cool. Uh, they have like a, a bar there and they play music and it's really relaxed. I love it. Um, but the one thing is if you get a hole in one, it does not count. You cannot record a hole in one on a part three course. You have to actually be playing a legit golf course. In my books, in the Hansborough golf ethics, you cannot claim a par three uh, hole in one on a par three course. Um, you think Cam's ever? Co- if you think if Cam ever has a hole in one, which he says only shitty golfers get, so he probably won't have one in his eyes. You think if he gets one on the cradle, he's going to try to claim it on us? If he gets one before anybody else does, yes. But if somebody else gets a par or a hole in one before him, it's not allowable. So. Uh, Cam, we hope you never get a hole in one. And he's yet uh, to congratulate me. I mean, I would want to know. I almost invited Cam for the first time on this podcast because I want to know if Cam's ever had three birdies on nine holes at Pinehurst number two because I guarantee you he hasn't in almost four. Not certainly. Uh-uh. Not, not if anyone ever played. But maybe with the uh, the COVID protocols where they capped the pins and uh, <laughs> he's bowling, bowling the putts into the uh, – to the dinger, I think he uh, he would probably have that, but not realistic uh, tournaments. Yeah, yeah. Next time you guys head to Pinehurst, you know, just tell them that uh, you're here with Sleephawk Worldwide. They'll tell you they don't know what the hell you're talking about, and that you're uh, about to get escorted off the property. But uh, it's it's a hell of a trip if you can make it. If you even remotely like golf, it ain't for the faint of heart out there, boys. Um, you know, I'm a shitty golfer, but I could break a hundred, and it's hard to do out there. Um, it's a beautiful course. Number two, the Donald Ross greens, the eggshell mm-hmm. uh, greens, the turtle shell. It's pretty cool. Uh, the one thing I will say about Piner, so it is old school outside the golf course. Like you have this golf score, this golf course, and you have this really nice hotel. And then outside, it's almost like they have. Uh, it's like you're trapped in time out there, man. Yeah, it is crazy. Yeah, it's it's different. And uh, it was a uh, it was a beautiful time of year, man. Leaves are falling. We got we got great weather. We could have could not have gotten luckier on the weather. Uh, R.I.P. to Bambi, um, and you know everything else. But all things considered, we're back in action. 
against uh, the College of Charleston Cougars come uh, to, uh, tonight as you're listening. So, you got anything yeah. else, Big Hawk? Stay safe. Stay safe. Stay safe.